welcome to another edition of the GSNet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by Fans for Fans, and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 147 of the flagship show of the GSNet Weekly Podcast. I'm your host tonight, and I'm very happy. Uh, you might hear my voice is a bit hoarse uh, at, at the game today. Great result, uh, so we'll discuss all that. I'm Colin Armstrong, I'm your host, and I've got a hoarse voice. Uh, as I say every week, guys, it's not just the, the, the pod that we have here at Jersnet. You know, we've got articles, uh, match previews, match uh, reports, all that kind of stuff. There's a history archive on the website. There's the forums, all that kind of stuff. So get yourself onto the website if you can. Uh, if, if, if you enjoy the pod, please put the word out there on social media. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that kind of a stuff. Uh, we're live tonight. It's a Sunday night after Rangers beat Celtic 1-0 at Ibrox today. Hence the voice. Uh, but the show will be available to download and stream, as always, on a variety of platforms tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so now on to my guest. Uh, I'll bring in Chris Jack first. How are you, Chris? How are you doing? Not too bad, Colin. Thanks for having us on once again. Delighted to no. be here. And thankfully, all went okay this afternoon. So three, uh, three happy smiling faces here. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think Frankie's quite happy as well. He's he's doing his stuff in the background there. Uh, so I, I'm assuming, I mean, we, we were talking before we came on air about some of the press stuff that's happening at the moment, you know, because the club are charging a fee and all that kind of stuff. But I'm assuming you're still getting access to the actual games and you were there today. Still getting access to the games, thankfully. Uh, I've only missed the uh, Libby game so far this season. That's the only one uh, didn't get access to. So thank, thankfully there today. I really enjoyed it. Nice to have fans back on the on the old firm game as well. Now, was that all five of them last year? Um, no, four of four of them last year. Uh, and the, the occasions just were really really strange. Didn't feel obviously had the significance of an old firm game, but didn't have any of the yeah. the, the passion and the, the sense of occasion of, a, of an old firm game. So just to have the to have the fans back, that's I think that's the best Ibrox has been this season so far. Uh, and also a result to a result that's fitting of the of that particular stage. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you say that because my boy was going on about the, the atmosphere when we were coming home. He was like, I think he feels that's the best he's experienced in his, his time at, at going to Ibrox. You're also, you've also got a wee thing going on in the side now. You've got your book out uh, going for 55. Uh, could you give us a wee sort of insight what's, what's in that? Although I think the title maybe gives us a wee clue. Yeah. Title perhaps gives it away. It's basically <laughs> a, a rundown of the last, the last 10 years of the highs and lows, the good points, the bad points, the trials, the tribulations of life, life at Rangers. So the uh, first couple of chapters look at basically the, the, the build-up from regime change through to Stephen Gerrard's appointment, then looking at Gerrard's first couple of seasons and really how he built the squad that would go on and then uh, when uh, 55 last year, uh, chapters after that, a chapter per month uh, going through the season, um, but looking at various key factors of it. So one's focused on uh, the European uh, aspect of it, one's focused on the Ibrox disaster, uh, if a January uh, chapter, uh, one's looking at the April chapters, looking at absent friends, so people that saw Rangers play those games in the third division, second division, but unfortunately weren't around to see Rangers get back to their, their rightful place at the top of Scottish football. So really, I tried to do, go a bit more in-depth rather than just doing a, yeah. a book of Nucky 38 uh, match reports. I've already done that for the paper last year, so it was yeah. something, uh, something a bit different. Uh, and the, the feedback I've had uh, so far has been has been great. Really pleased that the Rangers fans are enjoying what I've, I've done with it. Uh, and hopefully in 12 months' time, we're, we're talking about a sequel. Absolutely, and of course, if any, if you know, if any Rangers supporters that are looking to give, 
you know, Christmas isn't too far on the horizon. You know, it's only maybe three or four months away, so there's, there's a wee present. And we always get a wee influx of Celtic supporters in these things. So, you know, they've maybe got in-laws that are Rangers supporters that they, they might want to buy it. So, yeah, get, get on to Chrissy's book if you can. Uh, also joining us tonight is, is Dougie. Dougie can hear there down in the corner. How are you, Dougie? I am feeling very champion, uh, Colin, <laughs> uh, but equally as horse. Um, I don't have a book coming out, but I was uh, I was I was one of the regular fans doing the bouncy and the and the Copeland front during the game today. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was full on the day. I must admit. I, I mean I mean we'll go on and talk a wee bit more about the game in depth, but you know it was quite nerve wracking at times. But I, I mean after we got the goal, especially the noise and. Uh, all that kind of stuff. It was quite funny, actually. There was a wee incident when I was today. A, a couple of sports fell out. You know, one was shouting something. The other one says, oh, you've been a bit negative and all that kind of stuff. And I'll kick off. Uh, I mean, it never came to blows or anything, but there was certainly an exchange of words. And then, like, five minutes later, Hollander scored. And then, like, everybody was pals again. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> just like, there was no... They were all cuddling each other and all that. So it was, it was quite funny. It just shows you the power of a goal in an old firm game. Uh, can do right, Chris. I'll come. I'll come to you first uh, on today's game. I mean, I mean, I had, I had a bit of a, a journey today because of the, the Scott Rail strike. So there's, there's no trains every Sunday at the moment. So I had to get up really early, you know, drive through because obviously you're thinking, well, everyone who gets the train is going to have to probably get a, you know a bus or a car through. So the roads are going to be chalker. So went through early, found a place to park. And then I started getting the messages saying, you know, oh, there's no sign of uh, Patterson and all that. And I thought, oh, Christ. And then the team came out and I, you know, there was there was just a wee bit of nervousness. But I think once that team came out and you know, and, and we saw that Balligan was at right back and McCrory was in goals, you know, so a really, a really, really big win for Rangers today when you, when you take that in, into consideration, you know, the, the, the players that have, been impacted with COVID over the last week. You know, Stephen Gerrard wasn't there today, obviously. You know, the, the, the team's taken by Gary McAllister. Uh, so I, I, I think Celtic might have fancied themselves a wee bit today. Obviously, they were favourites. I think it was like Thursday, Friday, they became favourites for the game. So a, a big win and a, and a big statement from Rangers today. I think that's the type of win that sums up why Rangers are champions. Champions find ways to win games when your back's against the wall, when people have got you written off, when you're not expected to go and win. Good teams find find ways to go and win games, and that's that's what Rangers did today. For all the all the problems I've had over, over the last week that you just mentioned there, as soon as that team came out, not many people were fancy Rangers to go and get the to get the job done today. Uh, but in the end, thoroughly deserved it. Though first half wasn't much between us. Um, Celtic Ross had a great chance right? Edward Ryan Kent hit the post the second half Rangers just stepped up a level were really really good really controlled and Celtic for all the for all the talk of Ange Ball whatever that's supposed to be and for all the, the talk of how good they are going forward didn't really cause Rangers that, that many problems for a, for a team whose defensive record and defensive performances haven't been anywhere near the level that they were last year in, in the first couple of weeks of the season for having a team that had Balligan at right back, inexperienced keeper, Celtic just didn't cause Rangers anywhere near enough problems to, to feel hard done by today. They might feel hard done by because they only lost one nil at Ibrox. Celtic didn't do enough to win the game. Rangers in the end did. I thought they thoroughly merited it. Okay, I mean, I, I suppose we have to, we have to talk about Big Leon. You know, what I mean, because he was he was the man. You know, when we all found out, you know, he's essentially third choice. You know, uh, Tav's out with this this business with the with the COVID. It would appear that that Patterson, I think the suggestion is, there's a, there's a close contact issue there. 
and you know, Big Leon, he's, play, he's played, he's played the right back before, and I, I think it was in Europe, one of the European games last year. He, he sort of stepped in, and in the first game, oh, he's done okay, and then a couple other games after, he, he started to see, I actually, he's a centre half, he's not a right back, and it, and it's he'll do his best out there, but it's you know, it's not an ideal situation, and you know, given given the the new boy at Celtic, uh, what's his name, uh, Kyogo. You know, I, th- I think there was a feeling, you know, he scored, I don't know, six goals in six games or something for Celtic. So there, there was this sort of feeling that Rangers were a bit fragile at the back. You know, they had Big Baller gun at, at right back. They've got McCrory in goal. But I did notice just before the teams kicked off, you know, Kyogo made his way out to, to the left flank. And you knew then that Celtic were, were tar- targeting Big big Baller gun. And you have to say, you know, it, it, I think he had a wee moment in the first half where, where he made a wee mistake. But other than that, you know, he got man in the match and he, and he thoroughly deserved it. It was an absolutely outstanding performance for him today. Yeah, like yourself, I was nervous when the rumours emerged this morning um, that Nathan Patterson wasn't going to be in the squad when you consider that Kyogo's been on form for Celtic um, and he's pacey. And the last time that Balogun played at right back for us was in the Antwerp game that you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, he played the first 45 minutes, whipped off at, at half-time. Patterson came on and scored within the within the minute after everything had been going with with Patterson regarding COVID. Um, I, I was nervous. Um, I, I genuinely thought that they were going to target Balogun, um, which, as you say, Kyogo did did kind of sit directly on him. Um, but I think Balogun played to his strengths well into to, to, to Kyogo's. Um, he didn't try and match him for pace. He recognised that he didn't have the pace to to, to run side by side with Kyogo. He sat deeper, um, and I think that. Uh, he was very aggressive in the challenge. Every time Kyogo um, was on the ball, um, Balogun timed his tackles very well. And I thought he was very composed in possession. For me, he was he was a very worthy man of the match. I thought he had a very, very good game and certainly shut up a lot of Rangers fans that, that pre-match were, were, were quite vocal on Twitter. And you actually seen the Rangers admin um, replying to, to one fan who, 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 who expressed on theirs pre-match. Um, <laughs> But I don't think he was the only player worthy of highlighting. You know, you just spoke about Robbie McCrory there. You're, you're talking about a youngster who, um, who's been thrown in at the deep end. He's he's, he's played against Alice Kerr um, over in Armenia. He's he's, he's played at Ibrox now in front of um, a packed and very noisy Ibrox against our biggest rivals. And I think he's came he's came through both games very well. Um, it's easy to see why the, the the coaching staff think very highly of him. I think when you look at his performance today, he looked very much like a, a, a Rangers number one in the waiting. Um, and, the, and the other player that I would call out, Stephen Davis. You know, you've, you've gone from one extreme to the other. You're talking about a youngster that's came through the Rangers academy to a 36-year-old who's who's actually older than me. He's, he's one of the few players in the Rangers team that's that's, that's older than me. And in, in, in 18 minutes on the clock, Celtic started to come back into the game. We'd got a goal. We started to kind of sit back off them allowing them to come into the game and it was Stephen Davis that that, that that really drove us on at the end. You've seen it in one of the one of the breaks of play where he 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 uh, won possession back and he was the one that drove forward and played the ball outside to fashion Sakala. Um a real leader without the armband. You can only imagine how good these players would be if they could play in front of a crowd. This is very true, yeah, very true. Uh, Chris, I, I mean I mean on on uh, Robbie McCrory, uh, uh, sort of Dougie's uh, highlighted there. You know, it has really been sort of thrown in at the deep end. And I think maybe sometimes that's, you know, it's maybe sometimes better that way because they've not got time to think about it. But I mean, I think on on, the, on Thursday night, you know, he never really had a huge amount to do. I mean, 
I think Ross said on Friday's preview show that you know the only sort of major con- contribution he made to the game was getting kicked in the head, uh, and, and and that's maybe been a wee bit cheeky, but it's not far off the mark. You know, as much as we all felt it was a poor performance on Friday night, I don't think Rangers ever really looked in danger. You know, they, they, they never really had many chances uh, uh, that the opposition on on Thursday night. But today's, you know, it's a different, it's a different kettle of fish, really. You know, an old fun game, and okay, there's there's no away supporters, so that maybe takes a wee edge off it, you know, because everyone in the crowd is 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 behind them and support them. But the pressure's still there, you know, and the expectation for the supporters still there. And, and th- th- there was two moments, you know, and it was both with Kyogo, you know, the, the the first one, it was right after Hollander had scored, and we'll come on and talk about Hollander's goal, but you know, ball got put through, and he he was so quick off his line made the block and then the one just towards the end he'll go again he's, he's hit it to the sort of the, the bottom corner and, and McCrory's got there you know we I think it was his right but you know big big moments for, for, for a young guy that's you know trying to establish himself at Rangers and you know I mean he, and even I'm, I'm not going to predict one way or another whether McCrory makes it or not at, at Rangers but even if he doesn't make it you know, he's, he's, he's always got this moment in his life and in, in, in his career. He can always look back and say, you know, I played in an old firm game, won an old firm game and had two major moments that made sure we won an old firm game. If you're going to be a Rangers goalkeeper, you need to step up in those in those big moments. Now, he's watched Alan McGregor for the last few years uh, step up in, in those big moments, make big saves at, at those crucial times in games. And that's exactly what Robbie did today. I thought it was almost faultless and he's performance as you say Thursday night I'm sure any of us could have played in goals well me maybe not but I'm sure you two boys could have done <laughs> I don't know you've never seen me in goals at the fives <laughs> if I'm in too long I let one in so I can get it again you know what I mean <laughs> yeah but uh, to, step, to, to step into that today and, and handle it the way they did do was, was really really impressive I remember watching them a few years ago at youth level and also like, had a mistake in them and you always want them to do really well not quite sure if he was going to make that step up I think the getting the first team experience that he has done during his, his loans in, in the last couple of seasons has been really good for him. And the kind of it is, if Stephen Gerrard and Colin Stewart and Rangers didn't think he was good enough to be in the Rangers squad this season, he wouldn't have been there. If they didn't think he was capable of stepping up in a situation, nobody could have foreseen that situation unfolding, but if they didn't think he was capable of play, playing a part and being there, he'd either been sold off in the summer or put it on loan again and say, look, go and, go and spend another 12 months somewhere else and come back and try and improve again. He's there on merit and he's shown today why he's, he's certainly repaid that, repaid that faith. Okay, I, I mean, I, when I got back today, uh, I was, you know, I was, I was having a wee look through some of the, the, the match reports and stuff like that and I was really surprised to see that Rangers only had 35% of the possession today. Uh, I, I was I was generally quite stunned because it, it didn't feel like that. I think I think the point that, that Chris made earlier on, you know, about Rangers performance today being quite controlled uh, and you know and disciplined and all that kind of thing is is is, is on the money. But I thought thirty five percent, especially at Ibrox. So do you think that? I mean, the, the more I think about it, do you think that was maybe a deliberate ploy to sort of concede possession to Celtic and? Sort of draw them out a wee bit so we could we could put the space in behind because I felt when like when we were trying to play it out, uh, Celtic were on us, you know, really high press, you know, and especially in the first half, you know, we had to we had to go long a few times and direct. Uh, whereas when Celtic were rolling the ball out, you know, Rangers front three were just sitting a wee bit, allowing them to come out and and conceding a wee bit of ground and a wee bit of possession. So do you think that was part of the game plan today to to give Celtic a wee bit more of the ball in order to draw them out and then, then go for the counter? 
you know, I, I was equally surprised as, as you were, Colin, when I, when I got home and I seen that uh, Celtic had, had had such a, a large um, possession stat. I was, I was genuinely surprised. It didn't feel like a game that Celtic dominated. And I think it's probably reflective of, of our game plan. It seemed to be that we allowed them to have the possession in their final, in, in their third. And when it came into our third, we then closed them down. Um, we limited them to a few chances and you can have the likes of Chris Sutton um, point to, to, to the chances that they had, like the Edward Sitter, but we actually had the better chances, in my opinion. Um, when you look at the, the first half, Frank and I were just talking before the before we started the, the show about the Morelos chance early doors. Um, I didn't have a particularly good view of that from the Copeland. Um, I thought he could have done better, but you had the likes of the Ryan Kent shot off the post as well. Other than the Edward um, opportunity, I can't really think of, of too many big chances for them. Um, but for us, I, I thought it was a slightly different game plan. We're normally used to, to, to you know, pushing, pressing hard, um, chasing down the ball and, and winning possession back. Um, and I was shouting, uh, you, you know, in, in the middle of the park when, when we were sitting off Celtic, I was, I was very vocal in terms of shouting to, to press them. Um, but as you say, it seems to be our game plan. And um, what do I know? Um, Bill Ball certainly beats Ange Ball any day of the week. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think the fact that we had more shots on target shows you, and more shots on goal, sorry, than, than Celtic. I, I, I thought the stats made strange reading. Like Celtic have had all this possession, but we've had, I think it was five or six more shots than, than them. So it, it, it does feel that Rangers, I, I think how, how Chris described it earlier on, is on the money. You know, it was very di- disciplined uh, and, and a very tight performance. And, and it feels that that was the game plan. You know what I mean? Pull them out, because I think we all know Celtic defensively are a bit shaky at you know at the best of times you know if, if you draw them out there's space in behind and, and we could utilize it and that, that seems to be i'll have to watch it again i always like to give a game a second look but that that certainly seems to be how it looks to me because i was stunned when i saw that possession start i really was because it didn't feel like they'd had uh that, that amount of possession celtic i must admit chris coming back to yourself I've seen two uh, opinions on the on the the, the defensive performance today. Uh, Chris Boyd was given it, you know, you know the defence was back to its best today. You know, defended their box well, cleared the danger, protected McCrory, all that kind of thing. But Neil McCann uh, on, on sports scene, which was a laugh, by the way. If you've got a chance, you should watch it. Uh, Neil McCann pointed out a couple of things that I, I thought he, he had a point. So I'm kind of somewhere in, in in the middle. I think it was. A better defensive performance today. I mean, the fact that we haven't conceded would tell you that. You know, that's that's been one of the things so far this season. Rangers have been conceding, with, whereas last season they weren't. We haven't conceded today, but I still think that there's definitely still room for improvement defensively. I think you know, so a better performance, but still need to tighten up. I think there's probably room for improvement right across the park, and if, if you're going to take one. Another positive from today, I think that is one of them, that Rangers, once again, haven't had to be at their best to win an old firm game. They've not been anywhere near as resolute and solid as they were in some of the derbies last season. They've not been quite as crisp and as sharp going forward as they were at times last season, and Celtic still haven't managed to beat them. Now, I think at times, as, as last season went on, especially after the January game when Celtic threw everything at Rangers and still couldn't beat them. That must have been after a huge psychological impact on Celtic after that game, though we've basically thrown everyone at it, still can't beat them. I don't think Celtic threw everything, all they've got under Ange at Rangers today, 
I thought they, they played okay and they were also fairly confident going into it. I think it will be a wee knock for them thinking, now we, we've actually given a fairly decent account of ourselves and still not, not managed to overcome a Rangers side that weren't anywhere near their, anywhere near their best. I think that's another, another positive that Rangers can certainly, can certainly take from it. They, they don't need to be 100% to be winning all firm games now. And during Gerrard's first couple of seasons, he always felt Rangers really had to be at it. Celtic had to have an off day. And if, if those two things lined up, Rangers had a chance. And, and the games that they won kind of fell into that pattern. The last uh, half a dozen or so just isn't the case. If Rangers play well, they win the game. Even if Rangers don't play at their best now, they don't get beat. Yeah, aye. I, I, I mean, already it feels like, you know, early doors. I mean, after after that that defeat Celtic suffered at Tynecastle, you know, and Rangers had won fairly routine against Livingston. You know, Ange was under pressure. Celtic were in turmoil. Blah blah blah. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, after Rangers got th- th- that defeat at Tannadice, it sort of flipped. You know, and it was all oh, Rangers are in turmoil, and Celtic are flying. They've got their new guy. You know, Kyogo. He's going to score umpteen goals. He's a new Henrik Larsson. This is the second coming of the Brazil 1970 team. And now it seems to have went back again. You know, as you say, Rangers went at their best today. I think Celtic came here today. Really confident, you know, and I think a lot of Celtic fans when they saw that Rangers team today would have been rubbing their hands. And as you've pointed out, Chris, they they couldn't do it. You know, Rangers don't have to be at their best at the moment uh, to win these games. I think that is a, a point that Stephen Gerrard sitting in his living room, but he's if he's <laughs> reflecting on on the game. I think he'll I think he'll take a lot of take quite a lot of heart from that. He'll, he'll know. And as every Rangers fan knows, there's so much more to come from this side uh, this season. They're, they're, they're not quite clicked. They're not quite at their best. But if you said to, I think, most fans at the start of the season, you win the first all-form game, you qualify for the group stages of the Europa League, those two things on the face of it are huge positives and, and you're taking them. It's just the manner in which some of it's come around that yeah. no, that's, that's where some of the criticism has come from. And also the, the Malmo games are huge, a huge negative on, on all all levels, but I think if you look at the first tranche of the season on a, what boxes did we have to take basis apart from the Champions League, it's been a fairly successful uh, start for Rangers and certainly something that they, they can build on and certainly something that they're going to improve on. Dougie, on, on to Big Phil, Big Phil Hollander uh, and his, his goal. And I, I, and I, I was really chuffed for him, uh, I have to say. I, I always feel chuffed for people that that score for Rangers in these games because, you know, they're, they're, that, that's the aim, the direction in history. You know, people will always talk about this goal. You know, the, the minute you score against Celtic, you know, that's it. It'll, it'll get spoke about forever. So I was really chuffed for him because yeah, it's only recently, I think it was a, the, the game at Tanadice that he lost his record of, you know, every time uh, he plays for Rangers, Rangers don't get beat. That that changed up at Tanadice, but he's he's still keeping his his home record. So every time Phil Hollander plays at Ibrox, Rangers don't get beat, and it's it's just I, I think it's testament to how how good a player he is. I, I know some prefer Balogun, some prefer uh, Hollander. I've always sort of preferred Hollander. I think he reads the game better. I think he's a more composed uh, defender and and deals with issues a bit better than Balogun. And it, and for him to get the goal was just was just brilliant, you know. It's it's just really good for him. It's something to look back on. And for fifty five thousand Rangers fans, you know, no Celtic fans on the ground. The roar when the ball hit the net was, I think McCoy said in the commentary that the roof had came off the place. So a, a great moment for him. Uh, and I, I'm chuffed that he got that goal. 
Give me, give me, give me a hander. Um, I'm a big fan as well. He's my favourite um, centre back. As you say, I think he reads a game very well. Um, like yourself, I haven't watched the game back, but I was told that on Sky Sports, the the panel reviewed Celtic zonal marking, and sitting in the Copeland, I've got a great view um, of the goal, and I was surprised that he had such a, a clear run at the ball, and um, when when the cross was put in from Bonnet, it was inch perfect. There was one moments before um, that was just just marginally blocked off that went out of play. Um, when it when it came across, you could see Bonner running right onto it in the minute. Uh, Hollander running run onto it in the minute he connected. You knew it was hitting the hitting the back of the net. Um, yeah, Gary McAllister referenced set pieces in his post match press conference. It's something that Celtic fans have, have referenced as their Achilles heel. So it's no surprise that we've we've scored from a from a corner. Um, it's clearly something we've worked on, given that we we had the similar set piece just beforehand as well. But um, like yourself, delighted for Hollander. He looked like he enjoyed it. Um, but another player that looked like they enjoyed it was Borna Barisic. I don't know how visible it was on the TV, um, but Borna Barisic ran the full length of the Copeland facing facing the fans, giving it giving it all this. I thought I thought that was a big moment for Borna. Could be a St Mirren moment. Um, if he does stay, we'll, we'll, we'll come on and chat about Borna a bit later. But um, yeah, I think I think that was a big moment for, for for Rangers. Hopefully, we can we can now kick on and and uh, really get going after the international break. Uh, on Bonner Dugay, I'll, I'll stay with you now. I mean, I, I was I was going to mention him now. It's like he's one of the players that you know. There's a few this season that haven't quite reached the levels that they were performing at last season, and he is easily one of those. Uh, did, did you see a slight improvement in his performance today? I mean, I, I felt a couple of times uh, going forward. You know, he's, I, I think he's really struggling to get past his man at the moment. It just can't see. It just doesn't seem to have the pace to get past his man to get across. And he had a chance to put a really, really good cross in in the first half, uh, and he and he put it into the into the Copeland stand. He, he sort of wasted that. That said, I do think there were signs here and there to, to suggest that he, he is coming back to something resembling what we know he's capable of. Yeah, as Chris said earlier on, um, individually I think there's some improvements to be had across the team. Um, certainly some players like Borna haven't really reached their um, their form that they, they achieved last season. Um, some people can speculate one of two things. One, some people are saying that his head's away. Like a few players, they, they're looking at the performances and, and automatically thinking that he wants to leave. The emotions at full time, you see him in tears, um, sitting on the on on, on the, the Ibrox turf and then waving to fans as he was walking off. Some people then assume that he's he's saying his goodbyes. But the, the, the flip side of that is Borna Barisic had a tough summer. He went to the Euros expecting to play for Croatia. He picked up a knock. He he didn't get the game time that he was expecting to get for Croatia, and he's came back and he's not performed at the level that he, he knows that he can play at. And I wonder if that emotion um, at full time is actually an outburst from him in terms of he's went through that that rocky patch. But we've came away today with a really big three points. He's played a really big part in it. And I just wonder if if that, as I said, can really kickstart his his season. Um, and, and I know we're going to talk about the international break, but but I do wonder if, if the international break is coming at a really good time for guys like Borna. They go away during this period. They, they get the chance to... To fully recover from from whatever's happened in the in the summer for a lot of different players, um, and they come back and they, they really get firing. Chris, and, and as I said earlier on, you know when 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 Hollander got that goal, I mean the roar was it's it's, it's one of the loudest I've heard in, in, in a wee while at Ibrox. 
And it was like my son had said not long after we came out of the ground that we were we sort of walked back into the city centre and got the subway there to where my, my my car was parked. And on the way back in, he'd sort of said that he thinks that's the best atmosphere that he's experienced. And then about half an hour, you know, later we're walking along, we got talking to another fan, and he said the same thing. Uh, so I, I, I do think there's a feeling that the atmosphere today is has been seen as you know one of the best in in, in, in a wee while. However. No Celtic fans there, you know, from from a from a Rangers supporters perspective, uh, you know, no one to hate in the ground, you know, no one to aim your sort of anger at and your your sort of uh, so that, do we need them in there? That, that that's probably the point I'm trying to get to. Do we need the the, the, the way support in there for these these fixtures? Because it seems like the, both clubs are at a bit of an impasse on this. You know, there seems to be a bit of uh, pettiness involved. Well, I don't want to say pettiness, but I, I think the relationship between the two clubs has seriously disintegrated over the last few years. I think 2008 was a big moment, you know, when we found out uh, that things were happening behind the scenes to stop Rangers getting the season extended and all that kind of thing. I think the, the relationships between the two clubs have disintegrated since then. When Stephen Gerrard arrived, we, we cut the allocation from the, the 7,000 that they got to the 800. They'd done the same with us. And now there's none. So is, is this... Is, is there a chance that this is a new normal, or do you think the clubs will get together and, and get, you know, some form of a way support in there? And do we actually need that? Because as much as I do enjoy a bit of ping pong, with you know they sang their songs and we sang theirs, the noise today when that goal went in was 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 brilliant. It was superb. I think from a, a neutral perspective, if you were the SPFL and you were wanting to sell the old firm game to a, a wider audience. You would want as many opposition fans in as possible. You would want the the seven thousand, the Ibrox, the seven thousand at Parkhead, just to give you that. I that that came bouncing off effect. It was really noticeable today that I would obviously self take out for a warm up and also get get booed and get a bit of pelters. You didn't even have the week the half hearted uh, in, in the corner trying to the fight against like a wall of noise. And I can understand why. Rangers made the move they made to cut the allocation. There's also a financial uh, reason for it as well in terms of selling higher priced season tickets. I do think the fixture has lost a wee bit of drama and a bit of sense of occasion as a, as a result of it. But I don't see it going back. How do you say to those season ticket holders in the room loan, sorry, you're not getting the Celtic games anymore? Um, I, just, I just don't see it going back. I'd like to think it would go back to the 800, certainly for the third and fourth Goal form games this season. I don't see it changing for the Parkhead game coming up. Celtic aren't going to have no fans at Ibrox and then allow us to take 800 to Parkhead for the second one. So I don't see that happening. The third and fourth ones, I like to think there would be an away uh, support there. I think it, it just adds a wee bit something different to the uh, to the to the whole kind of sense of occasion to the to the spectacle and to the and to the drama. I do. I do feel first. I mean, it, it kind of felt when I was growing up. I mean, I I, I went to my first away game at, at Celtic Park, Fallen Rangers, sort of early nineties, and it was still the terrace. And then you know it was the old Celtic Park at that point, and I think there was like twenty thousand years behind that goal. If you know what I mean, and it it kind of felt like a rite of passage. You know that was part of your the experience of supporting Rangers at some point, you know, it's like you've you've got to tick off all the boxes in it, you know, you've got to try and go to as many grounds as possible. You go and follow Rangers at Celtic Park, you do a European away trip, all these things that you, you try and do as you're as you're as you're following Rangers. So I, I feel sorry, like again, 
coming back to my son, I, I do kind of look at him and think he is kind of missing out. You know what I mean? He's there's literally no chance, even if it goes back to the eight hundred. You know, because like we we don't have my jars and all that kind of thing. So he's literally no chance of of, of ever going to Celtic Park and following Rangers away away from home in an, in an old firm game. So in that sense, I do feel it's it's bad. But I must admit, today, it, just the noise and the atmosphere made it. I, I actually thought, well, actually, do, do we need them? If you know what I mean. So I'm kind of stuck in the middle. So if just think, if there had been Celtic fans in Ibrox, I think I think back to the the Edu game we scored right at the end, and the atmosphere after he scored was outstanding. And then also had the Celtic fans leaving either across from you or around about you as a chance to get Robert in at the same yeah. time and that's what's that, that's what's missing in, in this one I'm sure they've they've also had their had their fill of that over the over years well and they've had plenty of opportunities to do it to do it to Rangers fans but I just think there's something missing a wee bit and you think back to the, the days that you had like going behind enemy lines if you like and going going to Parkhead being in being in that wee corner been a like a small band of of Rangers yeah. fans. There, there's something quite great, great, significant about it, and it's I think it it it, it takes it away from. Uh, I said I think it takes a wee bit away from the game from a neutral perspective. I think it does take a wee bit away from it from a, a fan's uh, perspective as well. But I don't think it's something that's going to change anytime soon. That's one part I had me considered, actually. I forgot the joy you get from seeing the Broomland Road empty quite quickly. The quickest I've seen it empty was. Uh, when Morris Johnson scored in the last minute, I was there that day, and I was I was in the the the, the Govan front in the very last row before the Broomland stand. So it was literally like celebrating Morris Johnson scoring against Celtic. And we all turned around, and the, <laughs> it was just a sea of empty seats. You know what I mean? The final whistle hadn't even went, and it was just like they were off. They were not hanging about. So I that's something I hadn't considered. I must admit, yeah, I pros and cons I suppose uh, Doug, as, as, as you mentioned earlier on there uh, you know we're heading into the international break it does feel I, th- I think we can all agree that it's not been the start to the season that we'd, we'd hoped it's not been as fluent uh, I think there's a number of reasons for that you know obviously this week the Covid stuff's kicked off prior to that you know there's been injuries and that kind of stuff and the, the summer football as well, you know, players away to the Euros and the, the, the Copa America and stuff like that. And it has just felt a very, very disjointed sort of start to the season. And I think maybe a lot of clubs are feeling the same that I've had players away in international duty and all that kind of stuff through the summer. Is, is this a good point now? You know, we've, 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 we've reached the, the, the first international break of the season. We had that defeat at uh, Tanadice. But overall, you know, I think we're lying third. We're a point off the top. We've won the first old firm game of the season. Didn't reach the Champions League, but we're, we're in the, the, the Europa League group stages for the fourth uh, year in a row. More positives there than negatives. And a, a good opportunity now to take stock and try and get everybody in and, 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 and up to pace again. Yeah, we can all go in and enjoy watching Scotland now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I think Aye. the break's coming at a good time for us um, we haven't been at our best as you say but we're sitting in a good position in both the league and we've qualified for the Europa League group stages um, I heard Chris Burke earlier in the week describing um, this week for Rangers as, as, as being having a crucial game and a key game um, the biggest one at this stage of the season and for financial reasons was on Thursday night um, and we've progressed into the Europa League group stages for the fourth consecutive season, which um, for me is a tremendous achievement. I mean, you consider that uh, 
we've we've had, as you say, um, issues with with player availability, the COVID situation, um, also playing on Thursday night in thirty degree plus heat, um, four thousand miles away, having to travel home just yesterday. You can look at today's today's victory as, as very significant. It's a it's a big one for me. Um, we're without our manager. We had no manager, no captain, no right back, and it came out after the game that Ryan Ryan Kent was actually told not to play today because of injury and opted to play through the pain barrier, which shows how much he wanted to, to, to be a part of it. Um, Steven Gerrard's record now in Old Firm games is eight wins and 13, unbeaten in the last seven. Um, and our last defeat in Old Firm game was, was over 630 days ago. Chris said earlier on, these are the kind, you know, 1-0 victories are the, the, the type of victories that you hope go on to, to, to win the league. And it feels like the pendulum has just swung a little bit in our favour in the old firm games in particular. Um, when you talk about the international break, the narrative up until the international break has been that Celtic are playing this blistering football under Ange and, and Rangers haven't been able to recreate the, the form of last season. I'm hoping that the international break gives some of the players an opportunity to reflect and just calm down. Um, some of the players that we spoke about earlier on, like Borna, that are um, allegedly carrying knocks, some of the players that are out with COVID just now, hopefully it allows them time to, to recover fully. Um, but as well as some of the new signings, Bakuna, um, Sakala and Lundstrom are obviously involved today. Hopefully the, the break allows these guys to settle in. And then when they come back, we've got we've got some really tough games when we come back. We're we're up at McDermott Park, straight away against St Johnson, who have been who've been in good form this season as well. Then we've got the home game against Leon, and then we've got the the, the league flag unfurl against Motherwell. So hopefully we use this international break to, to fully recover and prepare ourselves for for what's going to be a tough run of games, um, and potentially we'll start to see some of these new players come into the team. Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it, it, it does feel that it's just not been the most fluent start to the season. And it does feel that like the international break, as you say, is, is came at the right time. And, and what a way to go into it, you know what I mean? Be stuffing your, your, your greatest rivals when they've came across the road, feeling quite confident, as you say, the whole Ange Ball, Brazil 1970 thing. Honestly, God, don't get me started on that. But uh don't get me wrong. I mean, they have, they have, you know, from I don't watch a huge amount of Celtic, but I mean, they have been obviously playing well, you know, winning six now, all that kind of stuff a couple of times. But uh, yeah, it's, I think today just puts a message and, and, and maybe actually gives some of the players in our dressing room a bit of confidence again, because maybe, maybe that just ebbed away. Uh, right, guys, before, before we move on to the, uh, the next sort of topic, I'll have to highlight one of our partners, which is Football Prizey. So uh, the prize this week is the Alan McCoy signed and custom framed Ranger shirt. It's the 92-93 away shirt, the sort of white with uh, the red stripes on the sleeves. Uh, number nine, McCoy's on the back. Uh, tickets cost £4.95 for this. There are 99 tickets available. How many of those 99 are left? I'm sorry, I'm not quite sure. Uh, the competition ends on Wednesday, the 1st of September, which is this Wednesday coming. So £4.95 uh, by Wednesday night if you want to have a chance of winning that uh, prize. Uh, right, guys, on to the next topic. Uh, I thought we would have a wee look. It's obviously, we're coming up to transfer deadline day and, you know, comings and goings. And obviously, there, there has been some players coming in. We'll talk about them in a couple of minutes. But it was more that the, the potential of players going out. Now, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll come to you with this one. The, 
one of the rumours that was doing the rounds of David Patterson wasn't in the squad was that he he was on his way. Uh, and and as Doogie's obviously said there, you know, there's there's some talk on social media that Bonner looked, you know, a wee bit emotional at the end of it because it's been suggested that he's on his way. I, I mean, in, in your line of work and, you know, as a sports journalist and all that kind of thing, covering Rangers, have you heard anything in terms of how likely it is there'll be any outgoings uh, before before the, the window closes? I think it's a fairly anxious last couple of hours of the, the transfer window, unfortunately, because it, it'd be sad to see the guys that gave Rangers fans so much last season, over the last couple of seasons, it'd be sad to see any of these guys go, but I think there's a, a financial reality and a, a financial acceptance that at, at some stage, it's not to say that the squad has to be broken up, but you know, the books have to have to be balanced in, in some uh, manner and means certainly after missing out of the Champions League. So I would hate, as much as I'd hate to see any of these guys move on, I wouldn't be completely surprised, unfortunately. Uh, I did see the, the social media stuff around about Borna. I don't uh, have any knowledge of anything in the in the pipeline for him, but he is one of the ones that you would think it, it might be the it might be time for him to move. Glenn Kamara is obviously the, uh, the other one, plenty of interest in, in him from down south. Um, the problem that Rangers have now having missed out on the Champions League. It's not a case of teams know we're desperate for the money, but the asking price naturally goes down. Rangers can't command the type of fees. And even at the, I think if you look at the market as a whole, Rangers are kind of operating in that 10 to 20 million pound bracket. There's not many 10 to 20 million pound deals being done. Teams are trying to pick up players on the cheap. Or if you're one of the mega clubs, you're going and spending 50 million on a cent and a half at Brighton, or you're going and signing Ronaldo or Messi. That that bracket that Rangers operate in, there's not a lot of not a lot of deals being done, uh, certainly in UK at that at that level. So it does make it tricky for Rangers. Um, but I wouldn't be completely surprised if somebody if somebody moves on. It then becomes interesting. Do they think they've got enough strength and depth in the squad, or do you then go and replace what you've potentially potentially sold? I think in, in some areas. Uh, like Kamara, for example, I don't think they would need to go and strengthen. If Borna was to leave, you need to go and get an all left back because as, as good as Calvin Bassey has been in, in the last few weeks, you can't go with one one left back. Yeah. You need to go and bring bring someone in. Whether that's then going to be a first choice for Bassey to then challenge, or whether he's bumped up one and it's somebody to come in and provide a bit of competition for him, time will tell. But I think there's certain areas of the squad if somebody was to leave business would have to be done or vice versa depending on who it was you wouldn't necessarily have to go back in and, and try and do something late on yeah and it, it kind of struck me as well that it was it was actually after Thursday's game I thought well that, it was actually really crucial that we qualified on Thursday purely for the financial reasons you know what I mean if, if, if we ended up dropping further down into the, the sort of Europa Conference League then that could have had an even bigger uh, impact in, in, in who we who we had to move on uh, but in, in terms of Dougie, in terms of those coming in, I, I, do you think there'll be, you know, any sort of last minute moves? People coming in, and uh, one, one thing I feel about the, the, the players that have come in in the summer, I don't really think any of them have had a major impact yet. You know, we're, we're still really depending on the guys that were already there. You know, and I think you could say that at the moment. Celtic are seen more back from the players that were brought in for the summer. Okay, they've still lost two games, you know, and we're still ahead of them in the league and all the rest of it. But you, you can argue that the players that they've brought in in the, in, the, in the summer have improved them, whereas we're still waiting for, for, for our guys to really have that impact so far. 
Yeah, I, th- I think there's a significant difference between the Rangers additions and the Celtic additions. The, the, starting with Celtic, new signings, they were all signed for the start, starting eleven. Um, they, they've obviously um, needed to strengthen their starting eleven with so many players returning to their parent clubs after their loan spells um, and selling the guys like Ayer. Um, so they've, they've had to bring in players for their starting eleven, whereas we've just needed to tweak a championship winning side. Um, but when you, you look at the players that we've signed, none of them came into my thoughts today for the starting eleven. Um, obviously, none of them did start. Two of them featured from the bench. Um, but none of them, in my opinion, strengthened the starting eleven at this point. That's not to say that throughout the season, um, they might start to um, come into their own, uh, hit form and, and, and push for a, a place in the team. But when I was when I was thinking ahead to, to this window, what I was really wanting was, was to strengthen the starting eleven. Um, I think we can all say that we we have improved the squad, but I, I I wanted at least one addition. And you know when you look at the next couple of days before the the window slams shut, I don't think we are going to sign anybody else to enhance the squad because I think the squad's already big enough now, and I don't think we've got the money to go and sign somebody that walks into our starting eleven. You consider how strong the starting eleven is right now, so. This is probably how the squad's going to look unless somebody does leave. As you say, there was there was rumours yesterday about Nathan Patterson um, and then rumours started to emerge that Rangers have been, been scouting a right-back for a Middlesbrough called Jed Spence. So I think I think any incomings for us will depend on, on who leaves. Um, and as Chris says, it's probably a, a, an anxious couple of days for us because I don't want to lose any of these players in this window. But at the same time, we, we want to get our value for money for anyone who does leave. Um, Goldson's out of contract in the summer. Uh, there's talk that there's hope that he may sign a new deal. Hopefully he does. You've got a whole bunch of players, including Kamara, who are out of contract in, in, in the summer of 2022, 20, 23, 23. Um, so you, you, know, you don't want to have guys like Kamara running down their contract the last year because um, you spoke about not progressing the Champions League, devalues them. Get into your last 12 months, devalues them as well. I don't think we'd be able to command as big a fee for someone like Kamara if you if only had 12 months. So if we do get a, a sizable offer for someone like Kamara in the next couple of days, I think I think we'll have to take it because I think the bid will be be significantly less next summer. Um, but when you're talking about some of our new players, um, just looking ahead to the next couple of games, I mentioned already, um, we've got three big games after the, the international break. St. Johnson, Leon and, and, and Motherwell. I don't think any of our three players start any of the any of our new players start those three games. Um, McCrory, we've spoken about today, has really impressed, and he's taken his chance today um, to show the management team and the, the support what he's capable of. For me, it's up to it's up to our new signings um, when they come off the bench, which I think is most likely in the next three games, certainly to to, to go in and and uh, show what they're capable of and and, and challenge the team. Let's not forget. Type of guy David Turnbull and the year last year, John Lewis is just more one game than Turnbull his entire career. You were kind of cutting out a wee bit there towards towards the end, uh, Dougie. Chris, what I mean, what about you? I mean, in, in terms of the, the, the signings that have come in in the summer, I, I mean, as, as myself and Dougie were talking about, there they've not really hit the mark yet. Would you hope that that would change as as time progresses? and we'd start to see a wee bit more out of them. I think we have to see, Bill. It's hard to write off uh, Bakuna just 
Yeah, because he's, he's not kicked a ball, but he, he seems very much the type of signing you make after you miss out on the Champions League and you still need a midfielder. If Rangers had beaten Malmo and got to the, and then went all the way to the group stages, I don't think we're going to take a Huddersfield midfielder. You're, you're even higher than that. Lundstrom, I've been disappointed with so far. I thought he'd, he'd be better. Sakala is clearly raw and potentially one. Uh, they are looking at to have a real impact next season rather than this season. You're perhaps seeing this as a, a kind of bedding in campaign for them. So, like like you both said, I don't think the starting eleven has has improved, which is perhaps understandable given the financial realities of just where the club is and COVID and all the things we've we've discussed. But the the time to strengthen, the time to, to kick on is is when you're on top. And if if the rest of the season doesn't pan out how we think it will and how we hope it will. There will be a bit of criticism directed towards the manager and Ross Wilson and the board for saying, much like Celtic fans have said to the board over the last 18 months or so, you didn't make the most of a chance when, when you were on top. You didn't improve, you didn't get better when you had a when you had that advantage. Um, so I think it's a, it's a big season, obviously, for, for Rangers, but the, a big season for the, for the recruitment team. They, they need Sakala, Lundstrom, Bakuna, they really prove that these guys are worth having on board and that they didn't just sign them for the sake of them, that they didn't sign them because just to fill quad jerseys, they actually signed them because they thought they could make make Rangers better and take Rangers to a, to a different level. And so far, I think the, uh, the jury's out certainly on uh, Lundstrom and Sakala. They're going to have the, have the impact required to really make Rangers better uh, or significantly better this season. Hey, right, guys, right, before before we finish up, we've, we've actually went through the agenda. We've been too efficient tonight. Uh, but I, I did think, Chris, since, since you're on and, and, and you know, you're, you're with the Glasgow Times and all the rest of it, I thought it would be worthwhile. We've, we've already spoke about this on, on the show a couple of times, but we've never had anyone from the press on it to, to sort of discuss it. You know, this, this situation between Rangers and, and the, the, the sort of mainstream media, as, the, as they're always called, you know, and this, this situation that Rangers are charging... Uh, mainstream media outlets for for access and stuff like that. Now, I'm again, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I, large chunks of this makes me feel a wee bit uncomfortable, uh, and it, it makes me wonder how much scrutiny the club will get. Don't get me wrong; tough to see fan media in there. I think that's that's a growing thing, and and it's good to see these guys getting in there. Uh, but I, I, there are elements of it that, that that make me feel uncomfortable, but also. When I think of some of the stuff that some journalists have, have done with Rangers, you know, what they've said, you know, and we all know who we're talking about here. I can kind of understand the club saying, well, you know what? We don't need you at the club at all. We're, we're, we're not going to give you access. Or if they are going to give you access, if you're, they're going to write, you know, nonsense about us, uh, then we're going to charge you for the fact. So it'd be really interesting to get, you know, your side of it because you, you're on the other side of it as, as a journalist who has now suddenly been hit with this sort of, or your, 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 your paper's been hit with this sort of, you have to pay this or else you don't get access. And understand the Glasgow Times hasn't paid it. So you don't have the, the access. You can still get games, but you don't have access to the actual uh, press conferences and stuff. So it'd be good to get your take on it, you know, to see that side of it. As I say, Colin, we, we do still have access to the games. I've been at every iBooks game this season, apart from the Olivia game, uh, and it was up at Ross County last week as well. So we, you can get access to the games. We just don't have access to the 
into the press conferences, so pre-match pressers and, and post-match pressers, there's no uh, there's no access to, so we don't get to put our questions to Gerard or uh, Gary Mack or a uh, player, whatever it is. Um, it's a direction of travel the club have been going in for a wee while, I think. It's not a not a surprise that it's, it's got to this stage. You wouldn't be surprised to hear that I'm dead against it. I don't like it. I don't approve of it. I don't, I don't see the I don't see the value in it. But if that's how the club went to conduct themselves, if that's how they wish to proceed in terms of media relations, there's very little that the, the certainly that on a personal level, very little that I can I can do about it. There's also been discussions between papers of or all media organisations over the over the summer, uh, both amongst ourselves and and with the club. Situation hasn't really changed. I don't see it changing anytime soon. So I think the, I think the status quo will will remain for the uh, foreseeable. Um, when it comes to like, the the rise of of fan media, I think in some regards it's been pitched as mainstream media or traditional media against fan media. And I don't quite get why it has to be a an us versus them. Uh, I'm obviously happy to come on and do this ourselves every every few weeks. I've done a lot of work with Stevie at Four Lads, uh, going well with the guys at heart and hand. There's no reason why traditional media and fan media can't coexist in the same in the same bubble. Can't do can't do Rangers, but do it but do it differently. That's not how some people see it, and obviously understand that and respect that. That's perhaps not how the club see it. And again, it's end of the day, it's, it's their ball. Um, but I don't think it's a good look for a club of. Rangers size and stature to be to be operating this way and I think there's a bit of short termism and shooting themselves in the foot almost if you want to, I made this point to a lot of people over the last few weeks if you want to basically run Scottish football you need to have some degree of influence in the media, you need to have some degree of influence in the SFA and the SPFL and you need to have some degree of influence in the Scottish Government can Rangers say that they have that influence in any of those three areas right now I'm not convinced and I, I I don't see how I don't I think Rangers are in, are in danger of missing out on a great opportunity. They're, they're league champions for the first time in ten years. Huge uncertainty and changes o- over the road at, at Parkhead. And I don't think Rangers are positioning themselves sufficiently to actually take advantage of that, that just because where they are in those in those three areas. Uh, and all, all three areas are all intertwined. They all they all work into into a certain area. The biggest complaint that Rangers fans have had with the press over several years now is Celtic run the media. Peter Lowell runs the media. Well, that's because Peter Lowell was very good at his job and Peter Lowell had a certain level of influence. Rangers are in danger of missing out on the opportunity to have that influence in terms of media, government and how the Scottish football is run. Um, now, that's that's all them. It's, it's up to it's up to them. From personal point of view, I'll just continue to do, do the job the best as I can. And fortunate to have the, the position, have the opportunity to go and to go and watch Rangers and, and cover Rangers. So I think everybody's everybody's got different opinions on it. I respect all opinions on it personally and professionally. I don't like it, uh, but I do I do understand why there's uh, why there is, there's clearly certain issues there. I and I think there's it's a it's a 
it's very interesting debate and I'd really get in-depth debate that probably we could fill an entire podcast with one night I would think so uh, maybe <laughs> well it's international break next week, week you never know <laughs> been, plenty of talking points and plenty of time to talk about it but I, 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 do, I do see all I do see all sides of it uh, but I say you, you won't be surprised to hear that I'm I'm, I'm not for it but I say it is, it is what it is I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon Okay, uh, quickly just Give us your sort of thoughts on that, especially sort of some of the stuff that Chris said there, you know, that if, if Rangers want to have more influence, you know, and in, in, in the sort of corridors of power and all that kind of stuff that, they, you know, they have to have a certain amount of power within the media and, you know, Scottish government and all that kind of thing. Uh, so the, does this stance have the, the, the potential to sort of, you know, damage us uh, in, in, in the sort of long term? It could, it could. In, in my opinion, what I've seen in social media is a lot of fans don't really understand why Rangers need the MSM to to, to, to influence positively. Um, they see the rise of fan media, the club having um, its own media team is, is, is the opportunity to, to use that um, to positively promote our achievements, uh, certainly last year with, with 55. But I suppose my criticism is I think we're still waiting on inside 55, for example. Um, I personally, as a supporter, wanted to see something um, in video format of of our, our season that won the league and, and, and we've not had that. So that disappoints me. And I think we potentially could have had something better if we if we had a better relationship with the media. But I think I think one big factor around the media that, that a lot of supporters don't necessarily recognise is you get positive stories, but you also get negative stories. And I think one of my concerns is um, when, when Chris is talking about the, the influence in the uh, in the media is there are times where a, a negative story could emerge around a particular player or a particular scenario that the club could potentially use that influence to not divulge the information at key times, i.e. right before a, an old firm game, for example. Um, I just wonder if without having that influence, if that opens up an opportunity for us to have zero influence on, on negative stories, and we could see a rise in, in, in stories that potentially previously wouldn't have hit the, hit the papers. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm kind of, I'm really in the, in the middle of this. I'm stuck in the middle. It's, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit like you, Chris, and you do. It doesn't make me feel entirely comfortable, but I, I can kind of understand where the club are coming from because there are certain journalists, we know who they are, where it's just, it's constant and, 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 uh, I th- I've been hearing stories for a while now that the club have been trying, especially with the BBC. You know, there's there's been a lot of efforts with the BBC, and nothing happens. You know, there's no changes whatsoever. Uh, no matter how hard Rangers try, the BBC aren't interested. So, uh, as it's a tricky one, but uh, a good debate, and and hopefully it won't be uh, as damaging as used to are predicting, especially after that today, because it was well, it's ending a positive. It was a good day. We're all going to have a. It's it, this is a time when you hate being in lockdown and still working from home and stuff because you can't walk into the, the office on Monday morning bounding in with a big grin in your face, going, "Get it up, yous." You know what I mean? You know the Celtic supporters that are in your office. Uh, but I'll I'll just message them. I'll get I'll get the message to them eventually. Uh, right, guys, looking at the, the the agenda there and the time, I think it's probably uh, best to, to to wrap it up there. So a big thanks to Chris and Dougie for their contributions. Excellent stuff, as always, from, from there too. Uh, International Week next week. I would assume we'll have a show out at some point. Uh, obviously, no preview show because there's no game. 
Uh, but Frankie's not got the new the new schedule out yet, so I don't know if we're on for next week or not. But keep your eye out. We'll, we'll keep you informed on social media and stuff if we've got a show on. In the meantime, guys, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forum at www.jersnet.co.uk. My throat and my voice just about managed to hold up for the full show. Enjoy your week, guys. You know, it's been a rocky few weeks, but uh, we got a good result today. So, as I said, we can go into our, our, our workplaces tomorrow with a big smile on our face. Uh, and until the next time, bye for now.